nutrition studies all the time, and we love it. But until recently, we didn't share what we think are the most exciting ones with you. Earlier this year, we shared our first ever Top Nutrition Headlines episode, and you, our listeners, loved it. So in today's episode, we're covering three newly published studies that caught our attention. Is your daily multivitamin giving your memory a boost? Could your Botox habit be good for your mood? And is there anything you can do at home to lessen your baby's risk of developing food allergies? Let's dive in. Well, I'm so glad our listeners loved the first headlines episode. Uh, Yes, me too, because it was really fun to do. And we got such positive feedback on it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's always nice to get like little like tidbits. This is why people listen to like NPR, right? Yeah. And they l- watch the news or in your case, Juicy Scoop. <laughs> you get little tidbits of things. Right, right, right. This is not going to be now like we're Juicy providing Scoop though. That. And now we're just providing you little tidbits of nutrition information. Yes. Uh, well, Carolyn, do you want to start with the first one? Yeah. This is one I actually saw... Um, they were discussing this on the Today Show about a month ago. Yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, this is really interesting. But then I was like, I need to really check out this study. Like, the doctor seemed legit on the Today Show. They were saying it was a solid study. And so I did. And um, so basically, you know, when we were trained or went to school for dietetics and nutrition, you know, there wasn't much data on what a multivitamin could really do. You know, we kind of referred to it as like maybe an insurance policy. Yes, you know, it's exactly. Not, probably not going to hurt you. Maybe good to have. We don't really know. Yeah, it's a good know? backup plan, you know, especially if you're not um, like overly consistent with eating Right. You know, your fruits and vegetables right. or your seafood or yeah. whatever. And I think most people take it for like their physical health. Well, this study suggests that taking a multivitamin every day can improve memory in older adults. So in this study, they had um, almost 4,000 participants who were 60 or over, and they followed them for three years. And they checked them, like, at different intervals, like at one year, three years, that kind of thing. And they compared how they did on memory tests at those different points in times. And then they followed up with them three years later. Um, What they found is that the people who received the multivitamin, and it was Centrum, if anybody's wondering, um... They had improved memory performance at that three-year mark by the equivalent of 3.1 years compared to the group that did not get the multivitamin. That's wild. I know. I've never really been compelled to take a multivitamin, but this makes me want to take one. Yeah. I have I have never, with the exception of like when I was pregnant and yeah. when I was nursing my girls. Yeah. But yeah. It's Centrum Silver too. So they were taking the like age-appropriate version. Oh, yeah. I will say this study was funded by Halion. I don't know, but it, which was formerly Pfizer Consumer Healthcare, and they make Centrum Silver, and they provided the vitamins for the trial. So just that disclosure. But it was a really good, solid study, and there, was a sim- there were similar findings last year. Um, another study, um, you know, kind of did the same thing, looked over a three-year period in older adults 
who got a daily multivitamin um, supplement syndrome again. And they had, um, those who took the multivitamin were, um, there was a 60% slowing of cognitive aging. That's awesome. Yeah. And they said that 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 60% was basically equivalent to 1.8 years reduction. cognitive decline. I'll take it. I mean, give me 1.8, give me 3.1, I'd give me one year. I'll take, I will, I will take it. Like this really makes me want to take a Centrum or any multivitamin. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the thing that's interesting to me is that both studies were pretty large. Yeah. Um, the first one was 3,500 and then the second one was 2,200. Yeah. So and, that's and they a were lot both very well designed studies. Yeah. Um, so pretty solid studies, and both of them kind of finding similar things. So everybody, go get your centrum. Um, the next study, I think you and I both shared this with each other. Actually, did we? Like, I think I think we did. I I'm not positive, but I found it fascinating. It's a Botox. One. It's a Botox study. Yes. So all right, there's this hypothesis. It's called the facial feedback hypothesis. And it goes like this, that when we see an angry or a happy face, we either um, contract or flex like the muscles in our own faces to recreate that expression, like to basically mirror that expression. And that somehow um, helps us both identify with and feel that emotion. So like they did not use this word, but I kept thinking of like, oh, it's kind of like empathy. Yeah. Right? Like it's like it, according to this like facial feedback hypothesis, to me at least, like layperson, it's kind of like, oh, it helps you be empathetic. Yeah. You're showing that you get what the other person is saying. Right. Yeah. And you like, you register it in your mind as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So it's like, it's authentic. So what and, they... And that's without Botox. That's without Botox. And so what they decided to study was whether or not if if you received Botox in your face, if you were not able to interpret and process other people's emotions in the same way. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that – and they and the thinking, right, is that it's because, like, Botox prevents you from having these, like – They're moving the, your the, face. Yeah, the yeah. reaction and having as – like, even if you get some Botox – or, sorry, even if you get some Botox, you still can have more, like, facial movement, but it's not the, it's not the same. Right. Um, anyway, so – They looked at – this was a very, very small study, which I think is important to point out since you and I just talked about two very large studies. Um, This was – I think it was 10 women, and they said they wanted to focus on one gender because they didn't want – they didn't want the gender to be something that would mess up the results because it was such a small group of people. Well, shout out to the researchers for choosing women over men. You know, that's true. And I, well, I also am going to guess that maybe some of the women would prefer some Botox. I'd sign up for this. And study. according to some researchers, women are more emotional. So that would, this might be good for us. Yeah. Sarcasm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so they exposed these women before they got their Botox to happy faces and sad faces, or sorry, happy and angry. And then they did the same 
after they got their Botox and not immediately after they got their Botox. Like they, you know, they waited for it to kick in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What does it take? Like three days, three or four days? Yeah. I think I've heard it can take a week. That's what uh, my dermatologist tells me. But they gave these guys like anywhere from 13 to 23 days was the range. Ah. And then they came back. So like they were making sure it was really set in. So what they did find in this study that I found kind of a little bit disheartening is that it it has that it does have it can make it harder for you to identify with that emotion that you're that you're seeing if you get Botox. Um, and what but this is all subconsciously, like you don't realize correct that you can't identify that emotion as well, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and what they think is happening is that it kind of like the the way. The layman's terms that I read was much, much more helpful than the, like, very specific terms in the study. But they they basically think that it scrambles up your brain's ability, it, like, to transmit the signals to interpret other people's facial expressions. Yes, yeah. because the Botox is preventing muscles from reacting. Correct. When you see that angry or happy face. Yes, because it's a, it's a two-way street, right? So that's, like... It's a two-way street in the sense that your muscles speak to your brain, but your brain also speaks to your muscles. Mm. And because that, because it's inhibited because of the Botox, it's not as, you're not, uh, you know, as emotional. Well, is this necessarily a bad thing? Well, so here's the thing is that in a way I read it and I was like, oh, it's going to impede on my ability to be I think to be empathetic and understanding mm-hmm. of someone who's like really happy or really, you know, angry. But there was other research that they referenced in this study that talked about how there is, there's like a, a hand, quite a handful of studies. Like they referenced one, two, three, four, five, six, they referenced six, mm-hmm. seven, eight different studies. Um, that found that getting Botox injections can actually be really effective when it comes to helping treat depression. Oh. Yeah. And that um, they found in one particular study, they actually compared Botox to a medication for depression and found that the uh, that the Botox actually had – lower rates of depression the botox that's getters. crazy yeah well okay now tell me can it be like truly like cosmetic botox in your face or do you have to what for the depression you, you don't have to like do it because i know they do botox for like headaches and there are certain places on the head that you put them and that kind of thing yes but this is like we're talking just truly cosmetic yes this is like for like your like you're frowning and you're angry, you know, like between yeah. like your 11s, like between your eyes, like they did the, like the V I'm tracing my face, which does not help you listeners, but they did like, you know, a little bit of a V pattern in between your eyes, right. Mm-hmm. To get those muscles for this study. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get Botox in my jaw for clenching and grinding my teeth and it's been like the most effective strategy, but that's totally different. Does insurance um, cover that? No. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I wish they did. Um, maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a loophole. But um, 
But anyway, uh, this is, yes, doing it like cosmetic locations, let's call it, you know. Awesome. I wonder how long it'll take to get um, insurance coverage for that. Probably never because they'd rather us just take a pill, but, you know. I don't know. I mean, that is a – it. It, a, if they can show that it works, and B, I mean, that's still like a – the pharmaceutical industry is just a different kind. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's I thought that was cool. really interesting. So I might be less empathetic, but I also might be happier. Yeah. Was kind of my yeah. takeaway. Like, all right, all right, yeah. I sent this, actually, as I was writing this up, I sent this to a couple of my friends. We always talk about the, like, the benefit of Botox, Botox but also we, like – lament at the price tag that's attached to it yes so um anyway okay so the other study was food allergies in kids exactly and number of siblings and pets is that right yes and it, it's interesting because the way that they looked at the study like even as you were reading it carolyn you were like god this is like kind of like complex the takeaway is really basic the more older siblings a baby a toddler has and the more pets in the house the less likely they are to develop a food allergy yes and is is it because their gut their micro their microbiome their gut bacteria is more developed yes exactly their gut microbiome is more developed when they have there's more germs exactly and what i thought was interesting about this is i'd heard the thing about how dogs having dogs is good for you but this study also found that cats too which good shout out to Madeline there, but I did think that was interesting that they looked at um, that they did look at cats, and I'm thankful that they didn't look at reptiles because I'm sure then you know one of my children would yeah advocate for a reptile in the house or something. But um, but cats, dogs, and also um, having siblings, a greater number of siblings. But essentially, it boils down to like more germs. Yes, more germ they, they exposure. Need, we don't need this super, super disinfected. I mean, exactly. we want to keep the bad ones away, but you know, sanitizing everything and you know, and being like hyper vigilant and yeah, you know, backfire on you. I hope too that it gives parents who have because I have a friend who um, actually two. I have a friend who just had a baby and has three other kids. We've got another one who's about to have a, her second. And where do you have all these friends having babies? I hadn't had a friend have a baby in years. Well, they're all they're all of advanced maternal age, just to wow. be real clear. Yeah. They're both one's thirty-nine and the other's forty. Mm. Um but you know, so the one who just had the baby, like the baby got sick because he's exposed to three other siblings in the house. And um and and got really sick actually, uh, and then the other one she and I were talking about whether or not she should send. She asked me what I did. She asked me if I sent my firstborn to daycare when my secondborn was born, and I said, I was like I did, but she was only in like you know part time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm rambling on and on. The whole point was that I think that as a parent of a baby, you always worry about the kids getting sick and but the exposure to the uh, from the other from the older sibling, but the exposure to the there's illness. a silver lining, the exposure to the illness and the exposure to the sibling is clearly building the immune system is and the gut. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But what I also thought was weird, and this was the part that Carolyn and I had to wade through, was that somehow these 
researchers calculated the age of the gut microbes. So all those good, those good gut bacteria, somehow they found a way to calculate the age of them. And what they said was that a higher age or like a higher mature. score right, yeah. made them more mature. And the maturity of the gut microbes was what was had the link to the lower allergy risk. Ah. But then there was the siblings and the pets was also associated with this mature yeah. gut microbes. Okay. I just thought it was interesting that they actually like the the methodology of like I don't even know how you go about calculating the the age of a gut microbe. Yeah, I swear I was looking because um yeah, it said delayed maturation of the gut at 6 months was associated with a later introduction of food. Mhm. Solid foods. So that to me that says it's actually better can be better to introduce those foods earlier on at the earlier end of that range yeah yeah and and especially like if your kid's developmentally ready like it i mean i feel like when my kids were born it was like oh no no no, nothing before six months yeah like nothing now we're giving them peanut butter quite literally yeah and it works um but anyway just you know this is where we like nerd out in the science and we're like okay let's think about that for a minute like that's kind of weird yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So, and we've talked before about like, you know, playing in dirt is good with for kids. You know, I know we've yes. mentioned that sometime before on the show because of the exposure to the microbes and just building the immune system in the gut. And this yes. is another story that kind of reflects that. Yes, for sure. And like opening your windows and spending, like getting fresh air. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. So, anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Get your Botox, take your multivitamin, and more kids and more pets is is good for the gut. Yeah. That would have been good to know 16 years ago. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I know. When, when I was reading that study, I was like, I feel like this is one of those where it's like it's a little unfair. Yeah. Depending on where you, what stage of life you're in. Yeah. Well, I, you see parenting stuff and you're like, gosh, I would have done that if I'd known or, you know, and there's nothing you can do. It's like too late now. That ship's sailed. Sailed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Well, y'all let us know if you've seen any headlines that you want us to cover. Um, and I hope y'all like this episode as much as you did the first one. Absolutely. It might be fun, too, if people sent us um, headlines that they see and they're like, is this legit? Is this too yeah. good to be Ooh, true? I love that. That could be fun. Yeah. So send us stuff. Yeah. Okay. Talk to y'all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. 
Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.